Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is sponsored by Freedom Mortgage, dedicated to veterans and your homeownership needs. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash CBS Vets, NMLS 2767, Equal Housing Lender. Six out of ten people who reported a sexual assault face retaliation. Face retaliation. I think the military is the only place where a job transfer is deemed acceptable punishment for something such as sexual assault. Hi. I'm Kayla Jackson, and on this episode of Women Warriors, we'll talk about sexual harassment and how despite the strength of the recent Me Too movement, it didn't do much to support women in the military. Time Magazine recently published an article by a woman who knows firsthand that stopping sexual harassment in the military is far more difficult given the current military culture. In the article, Tony Rico, communications director for the Service Women's Action Network, wrote this. And for decades, the American public has ignored our voices, allowing the military brass to pay lip service to eradicating the problem of sexual assault in the ranks and failing to hold them accountable when, as scandal after scandal shows, sexual predators in the military continue to harass and assault with impunity. I found that fascinating, both as a woman and as an Army veteran myself. So when I spoke with her, I wanted to hear what inspired her to become an advocate for women service members and what can be done to solve this vexing problem. I didn't actually realize that I wanted to advocate for women veterans or for service women immediately after I got out of the military. It actually took me a long time, I would say, more about seven years for me to first start identifying uh, with the identity of a veteran and as a woman veteran, and then to realize that I had uh, seen a lot of problematic uh, aspects of the military culture uh, in regards to women that I wanted to see change. You talking about about you weren't really kind of in the lane of advocating for for women veterans until kind of mm-hmm. seven years out. Why mm-hmm. Why do you think you kind of didn't take on the veteran identity once you left the military? You know, I think part of it was my own personality. I didn't really talk a lot about it after I got out of the military. I was also married and I had two kids and I was going to school. So that was part of it. But I think the other part was that having, I'm currently married to an infantryman, so he's still active duty, and having spent so much time of, my time in the military with infantrymen, I somehow felt that um, maybe 
they had seen more and they had more stories to tell that they had sacrificed more than me. So I would be taking attention away from them, the true military troops, if I were to talk about my own story. It's somehow, uh, I think I felt uh, my experience wasn't relevant compared to theirs. I feel like that's, like I said before, also a common thread is so many women, um, you know, getting out no matter what job they had, um, they kind of downplay their service. Mm -hmm. And so they don't automatically identify or want to come out and say, you know, or I was a veteran because then the questions are like, well, where did you serve? What did you do? Um, You know, intrusive questions. Did you shoot anyone? And kind of depending on what job you may have, that might not have been your mission, but I don't think that necessarily means that, you know, you sacrifice any less. So I definitely understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you on that. I think a lot of the times, uh, we want to avoid having our service being questioned. So we'd rather just not mention it at all. Mm, that's a good point. I know um, So at the SWAN Summit, those were very similar conversations as well, talking about downplay of service of, you know, women service members and coming together um, and as well as, you know, military um, sexual trauma and sexual harassment, which is, you know, a common thread, unfortunately, um, that's in the past mm-hmm. and still current. And talking about your piece, what inspired you uh, to, to write this and pen this for time? I think what inspired me, to, you mean what inspired me to get into advocacy or for women or write the piece for time? Well, we can start with first. So what, what inspired you to start advocacy for women and then how that kind of translated to writing the piece for time? Because I definitely think they're linked. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think uh, what inspired me to start my advocacy for women veterans and service women was the misconceptions that were out there about uh, women in the military in general. I remember, I specifically remember this moment where I was a grad student in Georgetown and they were doing like a TEDx talk and I it just occurred to me, oh, it would be great if somebody did a TEDx talk about women in the military because people don't know much about them. And I mentioned it to a friend and my friend was like, oh, yeah, don't they all get sexually assaulted while they're in the military? Mm-hmm. And that to me was such a travesty that the only thing that people knew about women in the military was that they got sexually assaulted. I have met so many incredible women in the military. Terry, who have who are so strong, who have done incredible jobs um, that, you know, um, specialist. I haven't met her, but there is specialist Monica Lynn, who earned a silver star, uh, Sergeant Leanne um, Hester, who has a silver star, too. And so many incredible women who have had incredible careers in the military. And all of that is just uh, people just don't know about it. So. I wanted somebody to know about it, and I looked around for anyone who would maybe do a talk about military women, and then it just occurred to me that maybe I shouldn't wait for other people to do it, that maybe I should just go ahead and do it myself. So I did a talk in my school about women in the military, and I think it's the same with the time um, piece. Um, we, I felt that for the first time, women in the military felt that with the hashtag Me Too movement sweeping across industries and people being held accountable, um, 
we felt that finally, as a result of the Me Too movement, women in the military would also be listened to. And then as the movement kept going, I felt that largely their voices were excluded from the national conversation. And that was especially hard because women have been speaking out against sexual assault in the military for decades, and we've never been heard. And we felt this was the moment to be heard, and our voices were being excluded. I know you mentioned so a little bit back talking about um, the talk that you gave at your university about women mm-hmm. in the military. Did you receive any sort of feedback from other students? Um, you know, people yeah. who came up to you and talked to you afterwards. What, what were that, some of that feedback? Absolutely, they like they had no idea. So I kind of did a history of women serving back from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War to the women who have deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. And so, yeah, I had people come up to me and they're like, I had no idea. I didn't know. And it was just incredible, the feedback that I got and the fact that I was able to give them a little bit more knowledge about women in the military and what they do. And uh-huh. just women's participation in securing our country. So then do you think um, because not many people know about it and about, you know, the history of women in the military, do you think that's part of the reason why you you felt that, you know, we weren't included in the Me Too conversation? Or is there kind of another reason behind that, do you think? I do think um, that's part of the reason. And I think uh, but I, I think there's two main factors. So one, the American public respects the military as an institution, rightly so. And I think they don't want to be seen as anti-military by criticizing or talking about problems within the military. They want to be seen as supporting the troops. And then the other part is what you mentioned. Um, The American public is largely disconnected from the military. Uh, We often talk about the civilian military divide, and I think this is one example they're hesitant to second-guess military leaders because they, they're simply just not informed on the issues. They don't know enough about it. But I think that what I would ask the public to do is to become informed, to talk to service women and men, and to read up on the Military Justice Improvement Act, and also to understand that you can respect the military simultaneously while holding leaders accountable for actions that dishonor the uniforms. Why do you think active duty women didn't get involved in the Me Too campaign? If you look at mainstream media, and there have been a couple of articles, like my article on Time Magazine, and I think there was one on New York Times um, talking about the epidemic in the military. But I think in general, mainstream media, uh, the sexual assault epidemic in the military is not brought up or mentioned when we talk about the hashtag Me Too movement. So... In that way, we feel excluded. I think we also feel excluded because we see this powerful man uh, being removed from those position of powers which they abuse by sexually harassing or assaulting people who were their um, subordinates, and yet that reckoning hasn't come to the military. Scandal after scandal after scandal. I mean, it's not just going back to the 90s and tailhook, but even before, women have been facing sexual assault and sexual abuse. And what the military has traditionally done is kicked out the victim and kept the perpetrator in. 
And we hear this a lot from people who come to SWAN and tell us, uh, you know, my perpetrator is still in. He got promoted. He became a first sergeant. And I had to leave the military because I was diagnosed with a personality disorder uh, and many other reasons because of the emotional toll of the assault, because they had to continue working with the person who assaulted them. So in the military, it's the victim who suffers. It's the victim who has to leave, the victim who has to be kicked out. And I think the military is the only place where a job transfer is deemed acceptable punishment for something such as sexual assault or rape. And that's just not tolerable. And so as we military women watch so many people in power, you know, some are getting brought up in charges. Some are being um, forced to reckon with their actions. And then yet in the military, that's not happening. Scandal after scandal, you know, every once in a while we see generals who go before Congress and with a straight face say, we have a zero tolerance policy for sexual assault. And then uh, they come back from testifying before Congress and nothing changes. There's still about six out of 10 facing retaliation. In 2016, the um, DOD had the highest reported numbers of sexual assaults. I mean, it was a record high number. And this has been happening for decades and still nothing changes, still nothing is done. So I think we feel excluded that as other people face accountability, the American public is not holding the military accountable. We know this and we have been saying it for a long time, but the public is just hasn't been paying attention. They haven't been listening to us. And I think uh, voices like myself, I'm no longer in the military. I can speak out and other people can speak out. The mainstream part of the movement, the mainstream media needs to be paying attention to this and not waiting on active duty military women to sacrifice themselves in their career in order to pay attention. And frankly, some have done it and they still haven't been listened to. They still haven't been paid attention to um, and nothing has changed. You have anything else that you kind of want to to add to the conversation um, from the Time article or for Swan that you'd like to to add in? Yeah, I just would like to add that uh, we can make policy changes and we can definitely change laws. We can continue training people on sharp and sexual assault, but I don't think in the end, I mean, those are good steps, but in the end, the military culture that holds women in contempt that is misogynistic, that tolerates sexual assault and harassment, it has to change. The military has to be committed to transforming that culture before we can eradicate these problems like sexual assault and rape within our ranks. Um, I know that after the Marines United scandal, the Marine Corps set up a task force to examine the culture. I'm not sure how successful the task force has been. Um, I think one of the problems with that task force is that it's internal within the Marines. But I think, uh, and I recently heard that Anita Hill is going to head a commission in Hollywood to examine the problems within the culture there. So I think an independent commission or task force that examines what the problem is within military culture would be a great step uh, to transforming it. 
Awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time and having this conversation about your article. Thank you so much, Kayla, for having me on. I think it's so important um, to continue the conversation, as you mentioned. And I think that this is the time that some change might actually happen, that they might actually be listened to. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.